Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, Brandon here, and welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Jeff Mike. He is the vice president and HR research leader at Burson Deloitte Consulting, LLP. And Deloitte had recently released a report entitled The Rise of Social Enterprise. And in this episode, we don't cover all of what the report covers because it's a lengthy, lengthy report, and we'll put a link up to it. Uh, but we do cover a lot of the trends that they talk about in this report, and it's jam-packed with data and a lot of really, really great tips just based on where organizations are going. We talk about how organizations are really shifting from this business enterprise to a social enterprise, and I think you're really going to love what Jeff has to say. Give us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever, or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast, and make sure to subscribe so you get episodes every Tuesday as we release them. And thanks for listening. Hey, Jeff, great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Brandon. So Deloitte released a report called The Rise of the Social Enterprise. And I guess I should just start out by asking you, what is a social enterprise? Sure. Um, actually, Deloitte um, does an annual study called the Human Capital Trend Study. And so this year's version is entitled The Rise of the Social Enterprise. And at the core of the social enterprise is this notion that you know, business is no longer just about dollars and cents or about organizations in a silo. It's about much broader thinking um, in terms of, you know, how are you affecting or impacting um, the stakeholders in your ecosystem that may, you know, may or may not be associated with with uh, just dollars and cents. So it's it's much much broader than that. And so, what does it really mean to be a social enterprise? Like in terms of the way the organization behaves, maybe invests in its people, involved in the community, that sort of thing. Yeah. So so one of the points that this is grounded in is there was a, an open letter to CEOs from Larry Fink at BlackRock earlier this year. And the notion of um, you know the social enterprise kind of stems from that. And, and really what, what he was saying in that letter is that a company's ability to manage environmental, social, and governance matters demonstrates the leadership and good governance that is so essential to sustainable growth. So um, it's going beyond, say, this notion of, you know, branding and, uh, you know, community service or uh, corporate social responsibility to really engaging um, in depth uh, in, in the issues that are facing, you know, not only businesses, but, but our societies and the stakeholders as well. And just to be, you know, more specific, the notion of um, really rather than an organization looking, you know, from uh, the inside out. Uh, the organizations, um, businesses are looking now from the outside in. What are the social factors? What are the economic factors? What are the environmental factors that they need to take into account in order to, to build sustainable growth and sustainable enterprises? 
early on in the introduction for the report, it talked about how organizations are really shifting from business enterprise to social enterprise. And I imagine that's what you mean by inside out versus outside in is that business enterprise is probably looking at from the internal versus now they're really thinking about how does it impact the the greater good from the outside. Is that, is that kind of what I'm hearing? And, and why is that? Yeah. So in the past years, we've focused on, you know, inside what's happening inside organizations in terms of, you know, teams of teams or networks of teams in terms of digital transformation, really looking at things like productivity from the inside or looking inside the organization out. Now that's shifted with, you know, all of the all of the things that have happened in our environment and our in our um, culture and society over the past year or so, um, including, you know, but not limited to things like Me Too you know, immigration issues, some of the things in, in, in terms of, you know, gun safety, uh, in terms of the big issues that are, that are facing us, you know, because there is a lack of, of confidence in government, uh, you know, as identified by the Edelman Trust Survey, there's more confidence in businesses to be able to address these. So businesses are taking a bigger role in their communities and among their stakeholders, looking mm. beyond their walls to how are they impacting you know, society and culture and their, we'll say their ecosystems uh, on a broader level. So that's what we mean by that outside in look instead of the inside outlook, which had been focused in previous years. In doing the research for this report in particular, what size of organizations were you really looking at? And because I'm really curious where this where this trend is happening. Is it happening with the, the larger, you know, enterprise level organizations or is it really just happening across the board from the small business, medium size all the way to enterprise? Yeah, it's happening all across the board. So for this particular study, we had over 11,000 respondents um, across 124 uh, countries. So that's, you know, business leaders from around the world, from all sizes of organizations were responding to our survey. This report really dives deep in 10 trends that created an integrated view of the social enterprise. And I'd love to like dive through all of them, but we sure. don't have time for that. So I, I kind of cherry picked a few of the trends and I was hoping we could we could dive through some of them. Sure. So trend number one, I thought was a really good place to start is the symphonic C-suite teams leading teams. So I wanted to ask you, what role do C-level execs, HR leaders and individuals play as it relates to that trend number one? Sure. And I would highlight the data here. And I think it's really important that, you know, 73% of the respondents said C-suite leaders rarely, if ever, work together but uh, on projects or strategic initiatives. 87% rated the C-suite collaboration as important or very important. And what that means is that these problems, these challenges, or these opportunities that we have are so fast moving and so complex that one perspective or one uh, initiative alone isn't going to be able to address those issues. You need multiple perspectives to be able to address, you know, what are the issues, what are the, what are the implications of, say, like a Me Too on uh, not only your customer base, but your, 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 your workers, uh, your employment brand, your overall corporate brand, you know, governance, what does it mean uh, in terms of, you know, big picture? And so, you know, the, the C-suite, the, certainly the CEO, and the C-level executives um, need to work together to bring these different perspectives to solve these more challenging problems and then move out on them in a coordinated way. You know, similar to why we, what we talk about in terms of diversity and inclusion in order to solve, you know, more specific customer problems, you need these multiple perspectives and multiple resources um, moving towards, you know, more challenging uh, 
challenging opportunities or problems in, in this society or in the ecosystem. What's interesting to me about the, this trend, number one, it seems like you're, you're really wanting to break down the silo effect that you have when, you know, you have a, a somebody at the top of sea level where they might just, you know, oversee a function, but they don't necessarily collaborate with these other functions in the organization. I, and I think that's what you sort of mean by teams leading teams is, is a collaborative effort, effort at all levels. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, that's correct. And that's something that we've seen in our high impact human resources research and some of our other research is that the more collaborative and integrated um, organizations are, the more effective they are at, at you know, meeting business and workforce outcomes. And so, yes, we're pushing collaboration from top to bottom throughout the organization. So trend number three, I, I wanted to talk about this one. So new rewards, personalized, agile, and holistic. What's wrong with the way rewards are today in our organizations? You know, what we talk about in terms of, of our rewards is best fit instead of best practice. And so for a mm -hmm. long time, rewards has been kind of this, you know, and, and there's still some validity to it. I'm not saying throw everything out. There's been this notion of, you know, what is the market saying? What are what are a few of the offerings we can we can provide? And then what are we going to get the most bang for our buck out of? Um, with this increasing focus on, you know, individualization and personalization and the employee experience, we're seeing, you know, a much more diverse um, set of expectations from different generations or different demographics in the workforce. And so the one size fits all, or even if it's a best practice, doesn't really, doesn't really work as well as something that's, you know, more focused on uh, individual preferences, focused on, you know, what is the best, best fit for a given context versus, and a given organization versus the best practice across an industry. You know, for example, if you're, if you're trying to do, you know, salary surveys and you're, you know, you're looking at an industry or one size organization as kind of a block, if, if, if you look at only kind of those, those larger trends, you're missing a lot of the nuances at the, at the team or at the individual level that can actually, you know, have more impact on your workers than say something that's a little bit more broad or generalized. So what's the best way to figure out what people really want? I mean, is it as simple as, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one meeting, you're, you're asking employees what kind of rewards that uh, they value versus, you know, the cookie cutter approach, like, oh, I'm going to get my health benefits and I'm going to get maybe some flexibility in my work. Like, what, what are you doing to really customize based on what people want today? So think about, we like to think about similar, similar to the way employee engagement works. You know, you will do surveys, we'll do pulses, we'll do interviews and follow-ups for employee engagement. It's very similar in the reward space. Maybe not, you know, maybe not as, um, maybe not exactly the same type of implementation because there's going to be different uh, considerations. Rewards, for example, is probably a little bit more regulated than, than employee experience. But, you know, a, take a multifaceted kind of sensing approach and listening approach to your to your rewards offerings rather than, you know, here's our annual rewards, you know, plan. We've done a few interviews, you know, the, the, the numbers line up. So let's move forward. It's almost like, here's what we're, what we're offering. Give us your feedback. How can we adjust? What is more effective for you as an individual or more effective for you as a team? So generally speaking, you want to do, you want to do, you know, surveys, you want to do rewards optimization techniques. You know, we want to do focus groups and, and other types of feedback. So multi, I would say a multifaceted listening approach, as well as making sure within the, the bounds of, you know, of, of rewards and regulation being responsive to those. So trend number four, from careers to experiences, new pathways, are the skills that individuals have 
today, are they going to be the skills of the future? Um, the skills of the future, you know, it's hard to, de- to, to define what the skills of the future are. We can, we can look at right now, half-life of skills is something mm-hmm. like two and a half years, which means that half of the skills that you learn now will be obsolete in, in, in two and a half to five years. And so with things changing so rapidly, it's difficult to say, you know, what are the skills going to be? What, what the, what the, or, or even competencies. What is going to be critical, though, is the ability to be able to learn on the job, to be able to apply what you're learning in your specific domain area, you know, say it's marketing or, or software development or HR or finance. Because things are changing in those worlds so quickly, the key skill is going to be able to learn what, you know, learn what uh, the business needs to be able to adapt and be able to apply what you're learning uh, for a given, uh, a given context. And so, yes, there's value to, you know, specific skills-based learning, you know, learning a, uh, learning a coding language or learning about digital marketing. But more importantly is the notion that these things are going to continue to evolve. And so your mindset has to be, they're going to continue to evolve and I'm going to continue to grow as the field changes. I think it's such a really good point where we don't know, really know what the skills of the future are going to be needed. And, and so your, your point really is, we've got to learn and we've got to be nimble with the, with the way things are going. And I'm really curious how organizations can play a role in, in making sure that their people get the skills that they need along the way. So what are organizations doing to make sure that their people are successful in the future? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of a multifaceted approach in terms of uh, learning. What we're seeing in a lot of our research is this notion of learning and work converging. And so it's important for organizations to be able to design, you know, environments where or work processes where that learning can happen kind of in the flow, as we're saying it. So, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, a really basic example could be, you know, making sure that there's the, 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 the culture or the environment to ask questions, to do some experimentation, um, but also to make sure the learning tools are there uh, as needed. And learning tools can be everything from, you know, micro content, someone can look up real quickly to try to figure out something or a dashboard of say customer feedback that says, okay, here's what's happening in your particular market or space right now. And what can you do to, to adjust and to address those needs as, as the market is evolving? And so again, I would say recognizing this convergence of learning and work and then putting the learning and learning tools in the flow or in the process of the work as it's happening more specifically. And say a good example is, you know, software, software uh, developers or software tools have, have, have resources where, yes, you might be able to go pick up some code, but you might also be able to open a question uh, about a particular object or a particular design. And you, have, um, you, know, you can have members of the community help you understand and how to apply maybe that certain section of code or that certain object in your, in your application. And making those tools available as you're developing uh, the software versus something you have to stop working, you know, go research and then figure out how to put back into the work. So how much of the career development and just learning process is really on the individual versus what the organization can do to provide them the tools that they need? Uh, career management is is more and more owned by the individual. Yeah, that's what I would think. I think it's the org it's the organization's responsibility to make sure that those opportunities are available mm. and cultivated. So, so it's not one or the other. Um, I think they operate in tandem. Again, it's the, 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 the individual has to take charge of their career and what they want to learn and grow in order to, you know, enhance productivity and, 
and retention, the organizations need to make sure that those opportunities and the, the context is there for the career development to happen. Trend number seven I wanted to talk about, it's well-being, a strategy and a responsibility. So how does well-being play a role in the success of our organizations? Is it more like just the right thing to do or can it improve productivity and sustainability for for the organization's long term? You know, again, this is one of those things that goes beyond kind of the touchy-feely, you know, be good to your people Mm -hmm. type things that we've been hearing about for a long time. This is actually, you know, as we look at, as we go beyond work-life balance into work-life integration, <laughs> which I may, may have been a, a term that you've heard before, um, you know, what are you doing to make sure your people don't burn out? What are you doing to make sure they have the, you know, the cognitive capacity to bring their best to the job versus just, you know, grinding out more hours or grinding out more work? And so there is, there's definitely, you know, in terms of, you know, taking care of your workers, that's not gone away, but the, the, the connections between productivity, between engagement, you know, between uh, retention are just that much more clear because we have more research and more ways to, to sense those sorts of things. And there's lots of vendors out there who are recognizing things like, you know, overload uh, on, on, on mobile devices or, you know, n- time needed to disconnect and you know, kind of refresh and, and maintain your your intention. So there's a lot of vendors out there that are seeing this space as well, making it you know making it easier for organizations to really make sure their people recognizing you know healthy people are more productive people. I would say well-being is just a huge topic. Where should people start on on that? I mean, it's <laughs> it, it could be as far as you know, making sure they don't burn out. It could be providing some resources. Like what, where do you even think people should start if they, if they really haven't put a focus on well-being? Um, I think just by, by recognizing that, you know, healthier people are going to be more productive people. I don't think that's, you know, that's a, that's a big secret, but um, you know, we have some research on um, well-being providers. Actually, we've done a, we've done a, a, a landscape of solution providers on, on, on well-being. I think again, you want to think about the context of your organization. Where, where are the pain points? Understand and listen. Ask your workers and understand and listen. What are the challenges that they have in you know bringing their their best or most productive selves to work? And one one organization or even in one geography or one business might be very different than another. So it's not a really simple answer, but just by asking the questions, how can how and where can we improve well being? Who is out there to help us think these things through? Well, there's, like I said, there's a lot of a lot of solution providers as well who can share their perspectives to help you, you know, figure out where to start. Trend number eight is the the one I want to end with. Uh, the hyper connected workplace will productivity reign. What is in your mind the biggest challenge and and changes with how we're connecting with each other at work? Is it making us more productive, more distracted, more burned out? Like what what's your perspective on just the hyper connectivity that we experience nowadays. Yeah, it's interesting. Josh Burson used to share a share a graphic and he, he still might about productivity basic basically being flat since the since the Great Recession. Hmm. 1.3% or something like that. Despite all of this really cool technology that we have to help us become <laughs> more connected. I think the challenge is, is if these are disparate systems. I mean you know we have probably four or five different you know collaboration platforms uh, in our organization, 
And so determining what to use when in order to make sure things are getting done, people are collaborating and more productive is, is important. So I would say there's probably, because of this proliferation of different technologies in, in the workplace, um, there's probably this sense of, there, there's a sense of being overwhelmed where, you know, okay, now I'm texting people from work. Does that imply an immediate response? Or maybe if I'm collaborating with a team as a, is an online platform or is a collaboration platform a better way to do this than, you know, texting, email? You know, we've heard about the the tyrannies of email probably for a decade or so. Is that really the best way? So, looking through all of these technologies being critical, what are the ones that are going to help my teams be most effective? And maybe staying away a little bit from the hype, but maybe testing. You know, we advocate for testing things on a small scale in organizations before you before you make them broader. Testing, you know, specific technologies that will help, you know, not pull us apart and make us committed to everybody, but will help us focus on the things that we need to do that are going to add the most value. That's probably, you know, that that's the way we would suggest to go. Well said. So if people read this report, what do you want them to do as a result of this? It's jam-packed with information. There's so many good tips and there's lots of data in here that I didn't even cover, but what should somebody do once they read this? This is, this is when I explain this, I explain if there's one takeaway, you have to get involved. There's, there's, there's so much going on. These things are so important. There's so many people involved and how much time do we spend, you know, either at work or thinking about work is that this is no longer somebody else's problem. You need to get involved. Everyone from, you know, the CEO to person on the front lines, is there something you can do to affect these outcomes? You know, what is it for you or your experience and start there. Jeff, where could people get this report? Do you have it published on the website? Uh, it's published on the Deloitte website and there's a QR code. So if they actually, if they take an image of the QR code, all of the, the report will be available on their mobile device, but also they'll have access to the data. They can slice the data in different, you know, by different segments in terms of geographies or businesses or sizes. So there's a lot of ways to actually interact with the data. And it's, of course, available on the website as well. Awesome. Anything you want to point people to other than the report? Anything about you that you want, you want to mention before we, we part ways? Uh, no, I think, you know, just the final thought is, you know, in this, this is the best time to be in the people and, and, and work business, if that makes sense. So much is happening. So much is changing on a broad scale and an economic scale globally and, and socially. You know, this is the time to kind of set the rules and set the practices and really have an impact for how things are going to happen moving forward. And so, you know, from my perspective in terms of HR, I cover HR research. This is the best time ever to be in HR. And so that that to me that means engage, get involved. Well said. Jeff Mike from Deloitte, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. This is a lot of fun. And there's go get this report, listeners. This it's so much good information on this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, 
and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.